Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 555 with Chef Michael Serpa. Best thing and the best feeling in the world for me is when I walk upstairs and it's like Tuesday night or Wednesday night and I walk upstairs from downstairs into the dining room and it's packed and I look around and it's like regulars, 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 people that have never been here, people that have never been here, people that have never been here. And you go, oh, hey, what's up, guys? How are you? And I always say to the staff, it's really important to say, great, we have regulars. Treat them as such. Take good care of them. Talk to them. Schmooze them. Do whatever. We have a good relationship with them. But then see what the people right next to them are doing. Because the people right next to them say, hey, you guys been in before. No, we just moved to the neighborhood from wherever. Oh, awesome. Welcome. Check this out. Boom, boom, boom. And then those people are your new regulars. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Cashflow is something every small business is worried about, and it's hard to know at any given moment how you're doing. And worse, it's virtually impossible to predict the future. Until now, welcome to CashflowTool.com, the ultimate companion for any small business using QuickBooks. CashflowTool.com gives you instant visibility on any device anywhere of your cash flow, and it also alerts for unexpected expenses. On top of all this, it analyzes your past finances and projects how much money your company will have tomorrow, next week, and next month. Go to www.cashflowtool.com slash unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and receive pro features at the essential features price. Introducing Ethic Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicsuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time, that's ethicssuite.com slash restaurants unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Michael Serpa. Michael, you're feeling unstoppable today. Every day. Yes, that's what we like to hear. So hailing from a family of chefs, Michael Serpa grew up in the restaurant industry living between Miami and Pennsylvania. After dropping political science at Penn State, Serpa attended the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. In New York, Michael connected with the Olives New York group and worked under Chef Michael Crane and eventually would make his way to Boston to work at Olives in Charlestown. He soon took over the kitchen at Neptune Oyster in the North End, where he stayed for seven years. With a need to continually challenge himself uh, Serpa departed Neptune to open select a bar in Boston's Back Bay, which opened in April of 2015. They've been crushing it ever since. I can't wait to dive into your story, man, to find out how you got to where you are today uh, and just to, to drop some bombs of knowledge. But before we do that, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? So we don't really have any mantra per se, but just something that we always do here um, in the kitchen with my cooks and all the guys, as soon as they come in, you know, it's keep it fresh, keep it fresh, everything fresh. Um, and that, that kind of is a good way to get everybody on board. So everybody knows what we're looking for. And then 
everyone maintains their restaurant, so keeping it fresh. So what is fresh in your well, opinion? Fresh you direct, directly, technically, we're talking about like the produce, like make sure everything's fresh, your prep is fresh. Uh, but above that, it also means, hey, let's keep this place looking fresh. You know, let's make sure we're, we're cleaning. Let's make sure we're organizing because everybody likes to work in an environment that looks, you know, kept together. Um, so keeping it fresh also retain, pertains to that. Uh, people come in and say, wow, this place still looks like brand new. You've been open for three years. Like, you're super busy and there's people in here all the time. And that's something that's really important to me, making sure the staff is on board with that. And the staff, it's for their benefit, and they also like to maintain it. So how do you make sure that that's the culture here? What what things do you do, aside from just constantly saying, you know, keep it fresh, how do you think you've achieved that? Well, I think with the culture, that's probably the biggest thing you want to build with a restaurant. Um because you're you're creating an experience and an environment more so than serving products. Obviously, that's what we're doing. We're putting food out and drinks and all that. But you're you're serving, you know, guests and you're creating that environment with your staff. So once your staff buys into that and staff saying, "Hey, like we should clean this. It looks dirty." Not, "Hey, somebody's going to tell me to clean this." Um, so you know, they they want to be in that environment as well. And they say, hey, this is our place. They, they have ownership of the place as well. Yes, man. Great way to get this thing started. So let's bring it back to where it all started for you. This is going to be a hard one to pin because you grew up in the industry, right? Yep. So take us, I mean, where do you want to start? How far back do you so, want to go? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like we were, my dad was in restaurants. My uncles were in restaurants, you know, both sides of the family. My grandfather was a chef, you know, forever. Um, so we kind of just always grew up around it and, you know, it was Cuban restaurants. My family's all Cuban. Um, and then also like American, French, other stuff. But just like, I remember being a little kid, I was probably six or seven years old. And my dad had a little catering thing he did on the side and we'd go to like the catering commissary kitchen and like help them like pack up to go do a catering. And you're like, you know, a little kid, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Like. Let me put some stuff in the RoboCoop, yeah. but, which you probably shouldn't be doing when you're six years old. But, um, you know, just I, I remember I was using a slicer when I was eight. Yeah. You're like, why not? <laughs> I mean, it's you have 10 fingers. How many do you really need? Exactly. Um, but just like kind of being around it, even when I was that young. And then when I was about 12, my dad opened a restaurant in Miami in one of the skyscrapers down there. And that was really where I got the bug. You know, so we'd go down there for the summer, and then we'd be like, we want to help out at the restaurant. And he's like, all right, well, you have to say you're 14 because you can't really work when you're 12. Even if you're family, though? It's it's a gray area. Different laws in Miami? Yeah, it was like, this was like in 1997. Okay. Um, so I would be running around doing these deliveries for the offices. So it'd be like, hey, they ordered like a Cuban sandwich and, you know some rice for you know upstairs so he had run all these deliveries upstairs and then i started making tips so they'd be oh look at this little kid here's two bucks for this five dollar delivery so then i started running and doing the deliveries <laughs> and then i was like wow i can make money if i drop these off this is awesome so then i, I started making like pretty good money for a little 12 year old kid and then you're saying well i got 200 bucks i'm gonna buy some jordans or i'm gonna get this or whatever and that's that's really where i started getting into the restaurant world and then I'd be like, oh, I want to go in the kitchen. My dad's like, you can't go in the kitchen. You're 12 years old. You know, you need to burn, you need to cut, <laughs> yeah. whatever. And I was like, mom no, will no. kill me. Yeah. So then I was like, I don't care. I'm going in the kitchen anyways. Yeah. So I'd go in the kitchen and, you know, a little old Cuban lady showing me how to make rice. She's showing me how to make beans. 
I'm watching the guys do this. I'm like watching people roast stuff off. And then each year I would obviously get a little bit bigger and I'd come back when I was 13. It was in the summer. My dad was down in Florida and, uh, come down when I was 13. And then I started being in the kitchen and it's like, oh, what are you doing? You're like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to work in the kitchen now. And it's like, all right, fine. And then by the time I was 14 or so, I was like running on the line, you know, running the, it was like a cafeteria line and I was just calling out the orders and bossing people around. They're like, well, let the, how, how old did you say you were at this point? I was 14. Wow. Two years. Just yeah. So, it. so it was just like, all right, everybody knew who I was and it was like, I was having a great time and I was helping everybody out. So they were like, all right, fine. This guy wants to do all the work. Go for it. And, <laughs> and I was like, just like, I wanted to do all the food and like, I love the environment. Um, so that was really where I got the, um, the, the bug of restaurants and kitchens. And then once I was back in Pennsylvania, you know, when I was 15, 16, um, then I started working in banquet halls and dishwashing and working in kitchens, um, and kind of getting that, that bug. Nice. So, I mean, you grew up in it, reflecting back your uncles, your father, anything you've learned about how to be in the kitchen, how to lead, how to present yourself, any key takeaways from these early, early mentors? I mean, you're, you're not just mentors, your family. Yeah. Well, I mean that, that just, you immediately realized, even though if you didn't necessarily notice it, like you're like, okay, like if you're working in a restaurant, you're working a lot. Like, so my dad would be, even when I was way younger, he was working two or three jobs and he's doing caterings and he's just, you know, just hustling to make money. Um, cause restaurants aren't that lucrative. <laughs> F- <laughs> FYI. Uh, so I just remember like, he would be coming home at the time that I come home now, you know, I'm getting home at 1130, whatever. And I'm like, oh, I remember that being so late. I remember being up sometimes and be like, wow, you're coming home right now. And then you're gone by the time, you know, I'm up, I'm up to go to yeah. school, you know, and just kind of noticing that and you're know, saying, wow, this is really a lot of work. Um, and kind of just being around, around that. Um, so sort of the work ethic thing is somebody's always working way more than you. So you can't really be lazy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so eventually you make your way up north. Uh, you go to Penn State. You're thinking you want to be a politician. So I was uh, I was pretty good at school. I was excellent at school, even though I didn't really care for school. Um, I was just naturally good at like, math and writing and all that stuff that smart people do. Um and my mom was in banking and she's like, Hey, she's going to finance. You should be an attorney. You should do politics or whatever. And I was kind of always interested in politics, um, and journalism and all that stuff. Um, and I was like, all right, maybe I shouldn't work in restaurants, even though at the time I was working, you know, part time. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll go to, maybe I'll go to Penn state. I actually never went to Penn state. I applied, was accepted, picked my classes, picked my roommate, all that stuff. And then the day before I was supposed to go, packed up i was like nah fuck this and i called and with, <laughs> withdrew withdrew from all my classes withdrew from school and then i stayed working in restaurants um which i think was probably the right choice what was the decision like take me through that like why not f this like or whatever i, th- I think i just didn't see myself really enjoying it um and i was already doing something even though it wasn't high paying at the time i was like a sous chef at wherever um it was something that i was like wow this is fun you're that that band of pirates and you're just having a good time and it wasn't a high-end place and i was saying well this is this is kind of fun i'm 18 or whatever 19 
um, I don't think I really want to go to school for four more years or six more years and put myself in debt for something that it wasn't, it wasn't a gut feeling. I wasn't like, I really want to do that. Um, whereas restaurants, I was like, I actually really want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so making that gut decision, I was like, that's it. I'm going to do this. And kind of following your gut sometimes and your instincts, I think is valuable because you don't overthink it. You just make a decision and then you stick with that. Yeah. So how much time did you take off between making the decision to not go to Penn State and enroll at the CIA? Uh, so I stayed working in Pennsylvania for a little bit, um, maybe maybe six months, maybe a year. Um, and I was working at a better restaurant and, you know, better food and a little bit more elevated. And you're just getting more and more into the restaurant world. And you're saying, well, I want to read this book. I'm going to see what what's the Chez Panisse book? What's this? What's, what's, you know, how do you cook artichokes? Like all this stuff. Um, and kind of always wanted to, to do a little bit more and then, you know, doing a little bit more research on this stuff. And then my dad's going, Hey, you should go check out CIA. That's like, that's the best place to go if you want to, yeah. you know, progress. And I said, all right, let's go. So we went up for the weekend, checked it out. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. And I remember, you know, I enrolled and got in and did all that. And I just remember going to class and being like, wow, this is so awesome. You're going to do something you want to do that you really like. It was never a burden to go to class. Yeah. Even like the math class was like a joke. But just going to the classes and like, oh, we're going to product knowledge. You're like, all right, great. Well, I have to know what Celtus is and I have to know what this kind of radish is. And, the, and, the, and just being totally immersed in it was really, really beneficial. Not that I'm a proponent for culinary school 100%. I was curious about that. I was going to ask. Yeah, no. every, everybody has a different opinion on it. I, I'm, I'm literally on the line because I went to culinary school, but I also dropped out of culinary school. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. You know, you got so much information. You, you really got immersed in it, and you, if you pushed yourself and, and you tried really hard and you, you know, took as much as you wanted from it, you, um, you can actually gain a lot and get a lot of connections and then there's people that just went there and cruised like every school um which was a waste of their money and time um but in the end i dropped out because i was already working in new york and i was like why would i do another year of this for 40 grand to be a line cook which i'm already a line line cook and i think i already got enough information um so there's two sides to the culinary school thing i think it's beneficial probably overpriced maybe well that's the thing right there i mean there's a certain benefit to being able to surround yourself with people who are uh looking to do the same exact thing with you the same interests, the same destination they're all going to the same place uh but in today's age with the access to information to, to, like the the internet uh how hungry restaurant tours are for young talent and how willing they are to teach and mold uh and how expensive it is like you can get an incre- you can you can basically Build your own curriculum by giving at least a you know eight months to a year just going to different restaurants and busting your ass and just being intentional about where you work and really just rounding off what interests you. You know, yeah, I think that being intentional thing is important because th- not every restaurant is going to be the same. You're still going to learn in every restaurant. Not everyone's going to be the same teaching environment. Whereas like culinary school, like say CIA you're in a teaching environment so everybody is there to learn kind of uh so everybody's there to learn but you know there's less 
demand of like in a restaurant, you're there to look to work and learn and get better. But there's also like they're running a restaurant, um, so it's still a business. That's, you're gonna learn more, like about pro- pro- the- probably you'll probably yeah. learn more doing that. But I think it's nice to get that base, even though I don't. Am I making like velouté here? No. Is it good to know how to make velouté? Sure. Does that actually have any effect on my cooking? Not directly, but it's it's good to know how to do the the right things and have an idea before you even go into that, you know, working in a kitchen and all that stuff. Whereas once you actually go into a real kitchen, you're going to rapidly gain a lot of information, but you're going to gain information from that kitchen's perspective. So each 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 side of the argument I think is good. And I think each side of the argument, like you should do both. So um, what worries me about the culinary school thing, the, the, the cost is if you go to culinary school, culinary school and you will then want to travel and learn yeah, and figure and you're, out, and then you, you paint yourself into a corner. You can't do it. Yeah. Um, and we don't make a lot of money in this industry. So you can't get into this industry for, and then get out of culinary school and then start chasing paychecks because you're going to have to do that. You need yeah. your, your passion and your interest to determine where you go. And when you throw money into the mix, you kind yeah. of like, shit, I got to take, I, I'm, I make some money. I'm on the guilty side of probably of chasing paychecks to a degree. Um, cause at the time you're saying, well, and I got to yeah. make my culinary school loan payment yeah. and I'm living in New York city and like, this is insane. So then the, the numbers actually just don't work. Yeah. Um, which is a, which is a shame. So let's try to fast forward and get to the point where you open your own restaurant. Um, we can't just completely skip over your work experience. Any key mentors, any reflecting back at where you were, what places were resonated the most with you, where you grew the most, which place would you say this was? Yep. Uh, so probably when I was working with the olives group, that was probably when I had the most mentorship maybe. Um, I've never like, I always felt kind of jealous of people that like went and worked for like big chef and they had like a mentor, like a, for years and say, Oh, I worked with, you know, for Danielle Baloud for six years and blah, 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 whatever it is. Um, I never really, really had that. But in New York, I am the head chef of the group or the restaurant was uh, Mike Crane. Um, and he was from the Bronx and you know, he's been around and he was just this dude and you're like, wow, I was a line cook. You know, I started with prep, and then he goes, okay, you're going to go up and you're going to do banquets, and then you're going to go on the line, and then you're going to work at the line at night. So I really ascended quickly for an intern. Um, and I just remember, like, that guy's in charge. Like, oh, you could tell, like, that guy, he's, he's the boss. Um, and just that presence and the way he would tell you if something's wrong and so the way if he would tell you if something that's good was like, oh, okay, cool. That's a good way to do that. You know, because some people be like, they don't have the the temperament to say, hey, this is this is wrong. They freak out or they're yelling or whatever. And he would be like, hey, this is a, see how this is too burned here. Like, make sure you don't do it like that. Uh, and it was really calm. And I think I took that on myself personally as saying, hey, that's a good way to talk to people because it communicates it way better than getting a pan thrown at them or getting screamed at or whatever. And that was, you know, I was 20 years old at the time. And you say, well, that's a, that's a good that's a good mannerism to have. Like that's a good, you know, way to talk to people. So I had the pleasure of speaking with Chef Rob Evans last night up at Duck Fat okay, in yeah. the original, uh, yep. not the original Hugo's, but one of the Hugo's yep. owners. Uh, and I, I like I like the way he said it. He said, "I don't like the idea of um, 
or telling somebody they're doing it wrong, it's the, if you change that perspective and mentality and just think of it as correcting somebody, yep. uh, it's a correction. Yep. It's not a scolding. Um, this is what you did. This is where we needed to be. And the best way to, to correct is to acknowledge when it's been actually it's, it's it's counterintuitive but like what you're saying like when it's done right that's when you say something because yeah. now they know the picture of perfection yeah. and when it's not that they know like you can correct them you can you can bring it back to center line right yep and then you know same thing like oh nice salad good job whatever you know which took repetition no doing it over and over and over till it was perfect and it was just one little tiny experience but this was 13 years ago at the time and I remember we were doing something. I was like, oh, tasting menu for four. And I had a little artichoke salad. And I go, chef, how, sh- how do you want this plated up? And he goes, just do it however you want. And if it sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. <laughs> but just do what you want. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Now you have enough confidence in me to say, you know what you're doing. Make it look cool. You have all the ingredients there. Use a little creativity. And I said, well, that's really interesting. That's stuck in my mind. At the time, I said, Awesome you trust me to do this the right way however I kind of want but you'll correct me and say hey that's actually not that's ugly um, so I just remember that and saying wow that's nice to give give your staff a little bit of of play and say okay you do it how you want to do it um, and I think that that you know reciprocates to the staff liking you more essentially yeah so you also spent seven years at neptune right um take us through that experience any key moments any evolutionary points for you in that time yeah so that was um neptune still open uh but it was you know just it's one of the busiest restaurants in the city little tiny place um and i kind of got connected there through olives and charlestown and you know, however that worked out, but um, yeah, we we skipped over that. Is it worth going into? Uh, I'm tr- I'll be he, honest; I'm trying to be better about like getting to the like, current times, but I'm totally yeah, willing that, to I hang mean, out. In the, it, that that in was the a fun t- that was a fun time too because I went from New York and then I ended up in in Charlestown here, um, and that was a big departure because Charlestown was the original Olives, um, kind of on its way out of like it was faded glory at the time. Um, it was still busy, it was still popular, it was still big, but it was like. It wasn't the place to work anymore, which it was for 100% in the 90s, early 2000s. It was the place. Like, crazy chefs worked there at the same time. And you're just like, how is that your line? Like, what? That's yeah. Mark Latner and uh, Barbara Lynch and Marco Falle and Tony Susi and Joe Brenner. And you know, just this this crazy list. Uh, everybody that owns restaurants and works in restaurants. It was nuts. But at the time, it was already on its way kind of to... A restaurant promised land um but that was a good experience because it was drastic difference from working in new york at olives which was in a hotel and like way more polished way higher end to coming to that which was like all right this restaurant has a lot of issues um but still good experience you know to see what was what was wrong and say hey this is like not what i like this is not great this is slapdash get specific like what was just what was dis- going on disorganized there? you know storage like too much shit in the place or like ah, mismanaged and staffing issues and way too much over like turnover 
It's almost um, like the the life cycle of great restaurants. Like yeah. there's a, that initial wave where uh, there's something special there. That specialness attracts on incredible talent, like that lineup you just dropped on us. And then these incredible people have that you know they they spend time there. They get on the scene. This creates opportunity for them. They go out and do their own thing. And then like it's what comes after that yeah. is almost a, maybe degraded a little bit, or it just yeah. Starts I, just to, I think it's it's just a. You know, it's a product of the restaurant environment. It's way different in Boston now than than it was, you know, way back then. But it's very, very hard for a restaurant to be relevant for twenty plus years. It, it's insane to me that restaurants are actually can still do it even more today. I yeah, feel like now it's, now it's, it's like now it's nuts. You're like, wow, you've been in business for twenty years and your restaurant's still good. You're <laughs> yeah. like, How is that possible? Do? Yeah. Um, so it, it's a really it's a testament to the people that run it and own it and work there. And I'm sure every 20 year old restaurant has a staff member that's been there for 20 years or 17 years or something like that. Um, so you're, you're, you're just consistent. Um, and I think that's really, really hard to do. But anyways, that place was, had its issues. It was good to see. It was just a little bit kind of nuts at the time. And, you know, after I left there, went to Neptune, which was a totally different restaurant, very small, very busy. Um, and after I started, you know, we hit this patch of press that was not, it was like travel and leisure and the cooking channel and blah, blah, blah. And Alton Brown TV show for food network. And, and it was like, boom, 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 boom. And then something clicked and the restaurant just turned into like this machine. Um, so, you know, lunches, instead of being this nice kind of casual lunch, it was like, okay, like 10 people came in. Now there's 75 people lined up to eat a lobster roll, you know? So it just kind of turned into this different thing. But, um, working there was a different experience because there was nobody to, I was in charge of the kitchen. So it was like, I was the only one pushing myself to say, Hey, I want to try this out. I want to try this out. I want to bring up, you know? try this different but you have a really clear perspective of what your cooking style is so like if you say you work for thomas keller right obviously great chef great restaurant tour um no matter what you're still gonna have some of that thomas keller group touch in your cooking even if you're cooking something totally different something from from that group is going to be ingrained in your brain and you know you might be cooking Asian food, you might be cooking French food, you might be cooking barbecue, but something from that Thomas Keller group is like burned in your brain because you you took from your mentors or whatever. Working in that Neptune was like, I was just cooking for my what I wanted to do and like looking outward. Um, so it kind of helped me get my perspective and my style of food down. A little bit clearer picture of that. Um, so what's the lesson there? If you had to distill the takeaway from that experience? Well, I think you there's a benefit to working for somebody and having that mentorship role um, long-term and getting that perspective. And then there's also a benefit to just doing it on your own. And I think when you do it on your own, you might, you might be more like a better distilled, like clear version of what your creativity is versus using somebody else's 
techniques and you, you need know. the foundation you need to get those bases you need to get the experiences and you need to yeah. it's all data it's all things that are compounding what you become yeah. you know it's compounding on each other and then you take all those experiences yep. and you start getting creative you take you, a technique from that dish a technique from this dish yep. you combine them right and you start to really explore and you do your own thing you find your own path what really resonates with you yeah and I, and, and I think and I think that working by myself essentially for you not by myself, but you know, without another presence there um, for so long, helped me do that a little bit faster. Okay, um, we're talking. We're still talking about Neptune, right? Yeah, when I was talking, okay. and just saying, okay, well, this is my style, and and trying stuff that, hey, maybe somebody would say, eh, I don't know if that's really our thing. And I say, guess what? I'm going to use, I'm going to get abalone in. I'm going to get this in. I'm going to try this dish, and just having that freedom, um, which was a really nice in the kitchen that be able to do that. So. A lot of things happened in Neptune. You also met your future. Yep. So my, my, my wife, wife, my wife was there. Um, she was already working there in Garmage when I started. Um, so she's from Colombia, and then um, you know, restaurant romance happens <laughs> a lot. Uh, so me and her ended up getting married. Um, I ended up staying there for about seven years, and then you know, a couple years in, it was time. It was time to to do something. I was just like, all right, I'm getting antsy. That's what I want to lean into a little bit. Like, how do you know it's time? When do you know you're ready to take the jump? Uh, I think, I think you maybe think you're ready before you are, which is probably a good sign. And then once you actually are ready, then you're like, all right, I know I'm ready to do this. Um, how do you know? Uh, I, it, you just have to have, you know, that, that confidence in what you're doing and a clear picture of what you want to do. And just a, the, the, the ability to do it. Um, so I'm saying, okay, well, I want to open a restaurant. Well, I know how to do most of that stuff. Let's hit those things one more time. I heard three things. It was the ability, uh, the clarity. What was the other thing? Confident, like confidence. confidence. Okay. Yeah. So um, ability-wise, obviously, it's like, okay, I, I ran a kitchen. I knew I've been in restaurants since I was little. I, I felt confident that I knew how to do the, the stuff, you know, how to cook how to plate stuff how to present stuff design stuff, whatever it was i felt confidence in that ability um and then you know once once my concept here came together you know just that's saying, the vision part you know that's the clarity, clarity and like yeah. vision say hey this is the kind of plateware i want this is the kind of chairs i want this is the kind of whatever um and then the confidence in yourself to say hey i'm gonna go do this and if i totally fail and flop well, then I'm going to go work in a hotel <laughs> somewhere where nobody knows me. So no, uh, what made you think you had the confidence? Just just the experience that you had, all the other people coming to you, uh, just knowing. Well, I mean, I think it's just one of those things that you it's another gut feeling. Yeah, thing, right? ex- exactly. Um, so we were trying to at the time we were trying to do, you know, another restaurant with with the Neptune folks. And um, that didn't really work out. And, uh, you know, I somebody called me up. And uh, they're like, hey, it's one of, the, it was main, one of the big contractors in the city. He says, hey, do you know this guy? And I said, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. And he goes, well, he wants to talk to you. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, that guy is a big restaurant investor and he does all these projects. And I'm like, all right, let me, let me go talk to this guy and see what's up. So I go and talk to him and he goes, all right, I have this friend, blah, blah. He has this building. He wants to put a restaurant in there. Do you want to do it? I said, well, we're looking to do a restaurant. He's like, well, Neptune people don't want to do a restaurant. Do you want to do it? And I said, all right, fuck it. Let's go. That, that gut decision saying, 
yeah, I can do it. I don't need help. I mean, you can Especially help when anybody. other people come to you and see you as an asset. Yeah, and they said, I talked to this person, I talked to this person, they said, talk to you. And I said, all right, so that, other people that builds verified confidence. that I'm not an idiot, or maybe not an idiot, but you're dumb enough to do it, so let's do it. <laughs> uh, so, so that was like, okay, cool. So that's a good indicator. Let's, let's, let's hover here for a second. Like, when, How do you know you're ready? What are other people saying to you? Pay attention to what the universe is, is showing you. Like, Are people yeah. coming to you for advice? Are people coming to you for opportunity? Yep. Are people pointing people towards you for opportunity? Right. Like When other people are confident enough in you that they redirect people to you, the signs all point to you, then maybe you need to take that, that jump, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, at the time I was, I think I was maybe 28. I was 29 when we opened here. Um, so I was still young, but uh, I was like, all right, well, let's do it. I mean, what have I got to lose? I could yep. totally crash and burn and fail and then figure it out. I'll be 33 or something. Um, and our, our deal for this space for Select Oyster Bar came together really really quickly i met my business partner you know he owns the building and he goes this is the place check it out i'm like wow what a shithole awesome let's do it it's too small it's too cramped it's not the location where i wanted it's you know it's not a restaurant yet it has no plumbing it's it was just a empty hole and i said all right cool i like the windows and there's nowhere to get a glass of wine in back bay so let's go um and boom like like that a couple months later we were starting construction doing design and that was that was a really really cool experience and learning experience for me let's tap the brakes real quick because um one of the other things you talked about was ability right and you had plenty of experience in the back of house right you that's kind of that was your lane back of house um but you never really had experience opening restaurants right is that safe to say yep um you're going into this project with your wife as a business partner. Yep. Uh, what was the, the vibe? Was she going to be front of house? Like, how did you like, because you, the, obviously the ability is there. You're here, you did it, but how was it like navigating those things that you've never done before? How did you make yourself or put yourself into the position where you would be able? Yeah. So I, I was always kind of confident in, in my abilities to say, Hey, I know what I want in a restaurant. I know what I like in a restaurant. I know what I want for design. And having that clarity of saying, hey, this is what I want my place to look like. Um, And that really helps when you're in the design process and the construction process and the decision-making process to be saying, hey, these chairs are out of stock. What should we get? I'm like, okay, get these. We need a decision. How's this going to finish? Is this going to be flush here? Is this going to be do it flush? Is this, you know, making those decisions is having, you know, the the confidence and the clarity of your vision. But... I've, you know, I've just never worked front of the house before here. Um, I never did any construction projects. I never really opened a restaurant. Um, but just being confident in myself and what I wanted really, really helped out there. And then during the construction process, it was kind of fun because it was, it was a different job. It's a different job than you're so used to for doing for years and years. And you say, okay, now, now you're like helping out with construction management saying all right well we got to get tile i'm like i'm gonna go buy the tile and i'm gonna bring it here and i'm gonna go pick the fixtures i'm gonna pick the light fixtures um you know pick the 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 bar finish and and kind of doing that and being so immersed in that process was really really beneficial because i have a really good understanding of what the restaurant is how it's built what's you know what's what 
And then for any future projects, then I just have a huge head start saying, okay, I know how to look at a big, you know, 50 page plan blueprints for a restaurant and say, this is, you know, this is what this light fixture is. This is where it's from, blah, 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 these specs. And, you know, it gives you a different set of skills. Um, which I thought was actually pretty. I think the sorry thought pretty. I, I thought that was pretty beneficial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the other variable too is you had this gentleman. I don't know quite the relationship, so I'm kind of filling in gaps here. And correct me if I'm wrong. You had this gentleman who uh, sought you out, right? Somebody who came to you whose job was restaurant design or restaurant build up or investing. So, so the guy that hooked me up was um, actually the contractor, one of the major contractors, Cafco in the city. Um, the guy from Kafka hooked me up with a restaurant investor who hooked me up with my landlord, which is my business partner as well, who's a friend of his and whatever. It's a small town, but he, he got me lined up here. So the, the restaurant, you know, investor guy, um, said, Hey, you're the guy for my friend's project. You're the guy. You should go talk to him. And that, you know, that was a nice kind of vote of confidence in him. And he's saying to his friend, saying, that's your guy. He should do that restaurant with you. So the restaurant investor, was he, had he gone through the process multiple times, finding talent, investing talent, opening restaurants? So was he in on this whole thing? Or did you have like free range to go do your thing and they just were No, no, he, he had done that multiple times. He wasn't, necess- he wasn't in this deal. Um, so he was kind of just helping his friend out, who was going to help him out in the future as well. Uh, but he wasn't really in this deal. Um, he was kind of just a, a liaison from me to my business partner. And then he kind of helped us a little bit at the beginning and then stepped back. So how many partners are there all together? Just two. Just two? Yeah, you myself and, and then my business partner. And yeah. your wife? Is she yeah, she's technically there with Yeah, with she's okay. with me. And what, what lanes do you guys fall into? Um, so my wife works here part-time, and then she helps me with a lot of like bookkeeping stuff. Um, so she's not really you know, the front of the house manager per se. Um, but she's, she's my eyes and ears and helps me a lot. Gotcha. Um, but it's also like, Oh, I need somebody for an event. I need somebody for this. I need somebody to to go to restaurant depot or Mm -hmm. whatever, like all that stuff. Uh, my business partner is investor, not really day to day operations, nor does he want to be at all. So how do you, uh, go into a, a partnership that that is designed like you're explaining to us is there anything we can do to protect yourself uh is there anything you guys did to make sure that you were on the same exact page as far as what that relationship looked like any advice there yeah i mean every deal is obviously different um ours was just pretty pretty clear um and you know is there anything that you did that somebody advised you to do to help make sure that you'd be taken care of or that everybody would be on the same page any advice um not necessarily i mean just make sure if you're doing a business deal that it's it's clear and you have your lawyers are going to look at it obviously uh but my partner was really clear about what he wanted from the restaurant he says it's your thing you're going to be there every day if you want to paint it blue paint it blue i don't give a shit it's your thing to deal with yeah he's investing in you right yeah exactly so he's saying he's saying you're making the decisions if there's some like we had one of our first construction meetings um you know, this was in 2014. Um, and he goes, one of the first meetings, okay, great. If I have a really strong opinion, I'll let you know about it. Otherwise, it's up to you. So if you want to paint this, this, or you want to pick the tile or whatever, it's up to you because you're going to live in it. 
and he said, oh, we should put it like, you know, what do you think about these? And I'm like, no, he's like, all right, well, it's your place. You're going to figure it out. Um, and there was, you know, just a couple things where, say, our entryway, which is all glass, and it makes the space look so much bigger, and it looks out to the street, and I wanted that, and he wanted that. He's like, that's something that's, a, we need it. I don't care how much it costs. We need to put that in because it's going to make the space better. Natural light, too, is Yeah, just yeah, huge. but that was, that was just like an example of him saying, this is something we need to have no matter the cost. Even though it's like fire-rated glass, it's wildly expensive, this little tiny glass entryway. But that was one of the few things where he made a really strong opinion about we need to do that. Everything else, design-wise, you know, look-wise, menu-wise, was pretty much on me, um, which was a huge, you know, huge bonus because now the restaurant has a perspective of one person. Mm. And it's like any restaurant that's, I think, that's good has a has somebody's personality attached to it. So if you yes. go to a, a little, you know, if you go to Sarma in Somerville, you know, it, it has Cassie's personality in it. And you say, oh, wow, cool. Like, there's little touches. And if you go to Bruce Fork, it has John and Michael's personalities, like, all over the place. And you're saying, okay, cool, this is this guy's place. Or K.O. Pies is, like, Sam Jackson's, like, that's his place. Um, so every place that, that I like has somebody's personality on it and their touches on it and their style on it. So this place, like, people come in and say, wow, cool, like, I like your design, I like your lights, your bar's cool, like, place looks whatever and i'm like yeah this is all the stuff that i put in my house if i had some money yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i don't but i I just put it here yeah um so i'm like i would like these cool light fixtures and like whatever so you know kind of kind of imprinting yourself on the restaurant in a in a way that says wow this place is like if you're at Haley henry like Haley's personality is there and you know it it's and we, we totally got into that with her, too. And it's interesting because I, I don't think that anybody can take that approach. Because here's the thing. Not everybody is cut out for this business. Not everybody is going to be as well-received as everyone else. So it, I think... I don't know if anybody can do this. Because the way you're talking about... like there's Unless you're in a big city where there's a lot of different types of people and different like niches for you to fill and different types of people that, want, like, that are going to be into that thing that you're doing, uh, bigger cities might be able to handle it. But behind every great restaurant is a great person, right? Exactly. So, and I think, and I think it has to be naturally done naturally. And there's no like, Oh, I have to impart my personality. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's something that just comes naturally and say, Oh cool. Like this place is like, I don't know. It just, it just comes off like, like your style. Um, so I think that that was something that was super important with like the, the construction process and learning that and, going through that whole thing um that was you know before we opened even and then figuring out okay not many people say the whole construction process was fun you're unique i, in, I, I, I think in that i'm i think it was it was a interesting challenge um but i honestly had had fun doing it and i'm pretty adept at like changing on the fly mm. which you have to be in a restaurant and that's something that i say like is probably one of my strengths is that if there's an issue with anything, you just fix it. And you say, oh, like, hey, this thing is pouring water all over the floor. What should we do? We're like, I don't know. Fix it. You or, don't ask or, how did that happen. Yeah. You ask, you're just like, all right, let's, let's make it fix not do it that. and then stop that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there, there's always things that break in restaurants or there's always challenges. And in the construction process, it's a similar thing. There's always something that doesn't work in like the bar stools. So my bar stools, I wanted these bar stools. 
ordered them, but the designer didn't pr- like didn't order them, even though I told him I wanted them, whatever it was. And then when it was time to get the bar stools, they're like, "Oh, we're out of stock of those, so you can't get those bar stools." So I'm like, "All right, <laughs> annoying, yes." Like, is it the end of the world? No, it's just a bar stool. Well, okay, great. Send me these bar stools. So, like, making a decision, boom, get me these bar stools, not fretting about it. And the bar stools are great now. But it's just having that ability to say, okay, there's an issue. What's the issue? Great, let's figure out what the best solution is, in our opinion. Figure that out and then move on. It's kind of like that whole, like, Buddhist mindset, right? Of, like, it's like this now. Like, this is the situation, and you can choose to lose your shit, or you can choose to just be in that situation and, and make the most of what you got right yeah i think that's a that's a good analogy of it and just saying hey there's always going to be an issue there's always going to be something that happens and you have to just keep cool figure it out and then move on so um, this is 2015 right yeah uh, three years ago take us through the successes the failures anything that really comes to mind uh, anything that you think you did really well that you're proud of that you think you can share with my listeners and then we'll kind of maybe dial back and talk about some of the things you wish you could have had a second swing at yeah so i think um we were super super lucky with press um when we were opening you said and press with press okay. yeah so people were very excited about an oyster bar or seafood place opening you know and neptune's popularity obviously ran with that um but when we opened i had like I mean, we still do, but it was like this rock star staff. So I went, hey, I want to open a restaurant. Um, you know, I asked a friend, oh, do you know any friends? That blah, blah, blah. And it's a really small industry. And I said, hey, you should talk to her. And then she goes, oh, you should talk to this girl. Oh, you should talk to my sister. Oh, you should talk to this guy. He wants to go. And then people just started calling me. And you're saying, wow, okay, cool. Like, staffing issues. Like, people are calling me saying, hey, if you need anybody, I'm available. And you're going, wow, that's that's interesting. Um, so people don't think I'm that much of an asshole, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just like when we opened, it was really, really beneficial to say, wow, I put together this crew of staff, you know, industry veterans that have managed bars or owned bars or worked in the wine world forever or, you know, ran restaurants or just worked in really busy places. And you're saying, wow, I'm piecing together this crew. And you're just like, this is awesome. This is, this is exactly what you need. Um, and then the same thing kind of happened in the kitchen um, with my kitchen staff, you know, just piecing together guys and saying, hey, I need a, I need a couple cooks. I need a dishwasher. And he's saying, oh, this guy's good to work for. He's He takes care of staff. He's respectful. Let me bring this kid in and bring this kid in. And then, you know, we filled our staff really quickly, um, which many of them are still here, which is awesome. Um, but that was that was huge for us. So that's one of the things you did well. Why do you think it happened that way? What is it about your situation that we can try to replicate to have similar success? I think that was just based off of, you know, my reputation in the industry, front of the house and back of the house, whatever, as as being somebody that people like to be around and like to work for. So it starts today, like right now, basically – if you're listening to this and you have aspirations of opening a restaurant, you're not, you're not there yet. Start developing a reputation, right? Because you're going to need that reputation when yeah. you open your doors to, to get people on your team. Yeah. Uh, you you got to be mindful of what people think about you, what people are saying about you, and what impression you're leaving. Yeah, and and you know, just not to be a jerk, mm-hmm. um, which 
you know, people said, oh, well, like your, your personality is not as that was going back to like the Mike Crane thing. You're saying, oh, like that guy is good to work for, even though he's going to say, hey, I need this like this. I need this like this in the kitchen. You're still going to take care of your staff. You're going to take care of your guys. Your guys are going to end up wanting to work for you for years. Yeah. This is another huge variable, too. You see a lot of people who have dreams of opening a restaurant. Uh, and no experience in the restaurant industry. And they go to open a restaurant and they can't find anybody. Then there's somebody yeah, like you yeah. that spent their entire life in the industry networking, finding people, creating a reputation for themselves. And then when you're ti- it's time to open a restaurant, you can go into your Rolodex and hit exactly. up everybody that you know is in the industry. And you can, yeah. like, there's so, these or, or, people, or people in the industry will hit you up because yeah. they heard you might be opening exactly. a restaurant. And you're like, okay, like, this is great. This is just, you know. And that's kind of the the benefit of being in the, in Boston for a long time, and you know making those connections and meeting people. Um, so that was that was something kind of important. Beautiful. Uh, um, any other really uh, key attributions or events that led to your success up to this point? Uh, so you know, obviously, we opened it was, uh, April twenty fifteen, and. Um, it was pretty cool because we opened and there's a line out the door and people were lined nice. up, lined up to wait. And I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. Like it was a Friday. It was good Friday actually. And, um, I'm like, ah, oh, this is, this is cool. Uh, and you know, immediately people were coming in and see what's going on. I was like, wow, this is awesome. You know, cause there's still that, that tingling fear that you're going to open and no one's going to come in. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to have that restaurant that you're like, oh shit. Like what happened? Um, and we didn't have that. We were busy right off the get go. Um, and I remember it was our third, it was our third night open. Um, and I had to go to a neighborhood meeting for something. And I was like, oh my God, like we did our friends and family a couple nights. It was our third night open. And I was like, oh my God, like I have to be here at all times at that point. And you're running on fumes and you're just so geared up. And I was like, all right, I got to run to this neighborhood waiting and I got to run back, whatever. And I ran back, and uh, Deborah first, who's still still a writer for, uh, she's the editor for Boston Globe Food. I ran back, and you know, one of our bartenders, Kevin Mabry, industry vet who's been around forever, he goes, Deborah first, bar three. What? It's our third <laughs> night open. I'm like, are you crazy? What? How does that make any sense? I was like, we just opened. Um, so I, I was just like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. And she always did like this thing where she popped in right after a restaurant opens, does a little thing, and then would go back and review it. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what? Really? Our third night? Um, but Jeff, we got tons of great press going. And it was just like, boom, boom, boom. That same thing. People were going, okay, like, people that know about restaurants were coming to check it out first. And then people were seeing press and then whatever. And it's, Neighborhood. Everybody in the neighborhood came to check it out because Back Bay's doesn't have that many independent restaurants that are, you know, chef driven or whatever. Um, there's a couple, but it's it's challenging because it's so expensive. So everyone in the neighborhood's coming by and saying, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" You know, we have a new neighborhood go to, like, whatever. So we're trying to build build that clientele, and then we got a good review from Boston Magazine, a good review from the Globe, and then uh, I think we were something with we got something america's best new wine bars or something in food and wine um so it's just like boom 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 like that good string of press which you need to kind of continue the momentum because restaurants are interesting how it works because you open everybody wants to go check out the new place and now in boston's you know there's tons of tons of new restaurants so everywhere in the the, it's everywhere it's It's crazy it's like yeah. yeah it's like it's 
restaurants are the new retail or something. Um, so the restaurants, you know, people want to go check it out. It's new. And then you get that like bump of good press. And then, then you're like, oh, we're not so new anymore. We're like a year and whatever. But then that word of mouth starts to kick in. And then, then you bump back up again and you say, okay, cool. Like what a great year. Like our first year open, we just totally crushed. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And then now we're in the stage a little bit farther down the line where we're saying, okay, now we're established. Now you're not going to get big magazine article for whatever. Now you're, you're, you're going to get somebody from a convention saying, Hey, this place is awesome. Next year I'm going to come back again and do the same party with 15 people. And then that keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. And then you have all these, you know, your, your base of your clientele just keeps growing. So I think the key there is don't focus on getting a new press, new people in, but focus on, making the experience and developing the relationship with the people that are there in this moment because if you can get Correct. them to come back yeah. that's where the magic yeah. is our, our, my thing is I, and I say it to the staff all the time and the staff is awesome at this you know my staff is incredible at at nurturing and building regulars and you know yesterday I popped in uh, during lunch and I had to go to a meeting and I popped in and I go boom and I walked down and I said oh hey Ed and Penny are here how are you guys oh and you know, these guys are here and, oh, and you know, this guy's at the corner of the bar. And I just walked in at, you know, random lunch and I go, wow, three sets of awesome regulars are just all at the bar, hanging out, having lunch at the same time. Cool. Yeah. Like, and they're all neighborhood people and you're like, boom, boom, boom. Hi, how are you? Hey, what's up, my Like, see you guys. I got to run. And you're saying, wow, like somebody nurtured that relationship three and a half years ago. And that guy came in and he had a, you know, he had a draft night shift beer and he had an Arctic char and he still drinks that every day and he still eats that every day. Nice. And you're like, wow, three and a half years ago, that guy came in and he still comes in all the time because he had such a good experience. So what's the key to building a regular? Uh, I think it's just, it's like, a, there's no right or wrong way to do it or there's no way to like, there's no formula. So you just, people come in and you say, oh, these guys are so nice, you know? They're great. They're great guests. And we have regulars that are just like here every single week. And you're saying, wow, because this is not a cheap restaurant to come to. This is, you know, good, good food, good service, whatever. But it's like, it's not a super comfortable restaurant, especially when it's busy. It's like whatever, but they don't care. And something about saying, okay, these guys came back or remembering that they came in before. And that's so common. You go to a restaurant. I'll go to a restaurant 10 times, same restaurant. And I walk in there and nobody says, Hey, welcome back. How are you? Nice to see you again. Oh, last time you got this. And I think it's for somebody who's not in the restaurant industry to walk into a place and say, Hey, welcome back. Are you going to have the, uh, Albarino again? And they go, how did you know? I drank the Albarino six months ago when I came in and you're like, I don't know. And they're like, wow. It, it's something so it's a small detail. So just kind of remembering guest preferences. Being like people knowing that they matter. Exactly. Enough. Yeah, and saying, "Wow, you you remembered me that I came in here." I'm like, "Yeah, you came in here and you, you know, you had great meal." We have this one set of um, these regulars. They're from Seattle. They're super super nice. Um, he is the I think he's the head of Seattle SWAT. But their son was at BU, and they came in one day and it was head of the Charles Weekend. Just the two of them. They sat down and they had a, a, a kava, Gramona kava, and they had all this food. And like, this is so great. And then they came back, you know, a couple nights later with a little crew of like four or six people. And they said, hey, you guys can do that kava again? The Gramona? And he goes, 
how do you know we drank that? And I was like, I, I served it to you like three <laughs> yeah. days ago. I'm like, I opened it up. I, it's pretty easy to remember. And they go, wow, yeah, great. But not everybody has that ability to I, I, retain yeah. the detail. It's 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 super important and it's free. You know, it doesn't cost you anything yeah. to remember somebody. And there's other variables too. I mean, this is a great skill that naturally have, but there's also technology today yeah. that helps us. People, that, people definitely do that now. Yeah, there's the data mining. There's yep. tracking previous orders and being able to, you know, you, you, you see that, you got sat at table. You can check the POS. You, you know the name of that person, especially if you do reservations, and you can do a little cheating. Yeah, but can, but I'm I'm old school though, and I still think that doesn't work as good as just natural. absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely. But it, not. it is a big, it but is it's a, a big good, help, especially a for way. for a big restaurant. Yeah, and if you can cheat a little yeah. bit, or if you can empower your staff with the knowledge and tools, so they can make sure that they go the extra mile. Yeah. I mean, if we are made aware of things then we can do something about it. Yep. So why not give people that information yeah. so they can take the service to the next level? Exactly. Uh, like you said, there's nothing that, like if you can just organically pull that data from your mind because you're there all the time, then that, that's obviously like gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, even, be- even better. But the, the same people, right, they came back and they said the next year they made a reservation and I said, oh, that's the guy. That's the guy that came in, the, the SWAT guy. He was really nice. And they came in and we put down flutes for them right before they even got here. They all sat down and go, Hey, you're going to do the Grimona again? And he's like, holy shit, what? How do you remember we drank that? And I was like, it was last year, but I remember you guys. And he's like, oh my God, so they had bottles. And then he brought back a party of 25. And then he came back again. And then they came this year. They were just here a couple weeks ago. And you're just like, wow, now we have like a relationship with that guy. Every time that guy's in Boston, he's going to come here. And he loves it. And our staff's like, hey, how was everything? And you're like, wow, you know. You built a relationship off of remembering what glass of wine they had it's one time. things, man. And that one little detail, and now they've been here, you know, dozens of times, and you're just like, wow, that's cool. Not necessarily, like, just business-wise, financially, but it's, like, it's cool to build that and say it's the best thing and the best feeling in the world for me is when I walk upstairs, and it's, like, Tuesday night or Wednesday night, and I walk upstairs from downstairs into the dining room, and it's packed, and I look around and it's like regulars, 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 people that have never been here, people that have never been here, people that have never been here. And you go, oh, hey, what's up, guys? Da, 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 da. How are you? And I always say to the staff, it's really important to say, great, we have regulars. Treat them as such. Take good care of them. You know, talk to them, schmooze them, do whatever. We have a good relationship with them. But then see what the people right next to them are doing. Because the people right next to them say, hey, you guys been in before. No, we just moved to the neighborhood from wherever. Oh, awesome. Welcome. Check this out. Boom, boom, boom. And then those people are your new regulars. Um, and there's always something. I, it's it's really uncomfortable if you're sitting somewhere and somebody's getting totally, like, styled out next to you. And you're like, well, I guess I'm a chump. And it's, it's subconscious because you're just saying, hey, I'm talking to our regulars and, like, this is my buddy, whatever. But make sure to take care of the people, yeah. you know, around. And, and those people will say, wow, like, maybe I could be a regular, too. And it's 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 just a little small detail thing that I like to do here. Beautiful, man. I love this conversation. We've been spending a lot of time shining positive light on the things you've done well. But you got to take us. There's there's got to be one story in this past three years where you had a dark moment where you really maybe took a wrong turn or you made a bad decision. You took a risk. It didn't pan out. Anything like that that you can share with us or maybe going even further back in your earlier years. Yeah, so um, not hasn't been too many wildly detrimental issues with select, which is great so far. Knock on wood. Um, 
one thing I wish we would have done is we have this beautiful outdoor space that we're sitting in right now. Um, I wish we would have taken the time at the beginning before we opened to have this a little bit more polished, a little bit more finished. Um, and there was two, there's permitting issues and all that stuff. So we don't want to, we don't want to invest the time and money at, at that time. And then it's just kind of been of a headache for us over the, you know, three and a half years or whatever that we've been open. Um, and saying, wow, we were a little short sighted on that. We should have, we should have said, Hey, how's this going to look in five years? How's this going to work for us in five years? How's this going to work for us in one year? Um, and we were just a little rushed. And I think if you have the time and the money to do it, take that and take take another two weeks or another month and, and do it right. Um, but at the time, you know, I was like, no job, no money. Need yeah. To, need to open. There's also open. other variables or, too. Yeah, you're ready. You delayed. got employees that are like chomping yeah, at the bit exactly. to get started. So, so. so it was something that at the time it was the right decision. Now I wish we would have had the time to do it right. Well, I think um, there's also some... Uh, the, to to be an optimist, yep. uh, the optimist in me is talking right now. There's this uh, sense of uh, staying fresh. Right, every so many years, you got to do something to stay fresh. Yep. And it's also kind of nice that to leave something for later. So when you're not as on top of everybody's mind, you can go boom, check out what we did. Yeah. Right. And that's a new draw. Like, come check out the new blah blah blah. Yeah. People are taking pictures. Like, it's it's nice to keep that to keep it interesting. Yeah, you don't, you don't play all your cards at once yeah. sort of thing. But uh, that was just something that it's always kind of been a pain um, for us here, just operational, which people don't really notice that much. It's more so like there's so many details that people don't notice, guests don't notice, but the staff notices. And even for me, I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if the guest notice it or not. It's just annoying to me. Like the guests might not notice that the paper will you know, toilet paper holder thing isn't perfectly lined up and it doesn't whatever, but I notice it and I'm like, Oh my God, that's so annoying. Like why? Like we, we have to fix that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing you're going to set the standard. And that's one thing I don't yeah. think people understand is nobody's going to give more fucks than you. Yep. And if you want other people to give fucks, you got to set the, the fuck giving bar, right? Yeah. That's, that's a good, and, that's a good way to say it. Like, yeah, you can't expect other people to come in and then your employees to set the bar for you. That's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. That does not happen. And, and we're, Sometimes we're lucky. Does, we're lucky with some of our employees do set that bar and say oh, only because you yeah. set the culture first of that culture of always yeah. improving. Right? So yeah, so that's that's something that that always improving is a huge thing to to me. I'm glad you said that. It's like always improving. It's so easy to be complacent, and especially if your restaurant's doing well, it's so easy to just say, okay, like let's just cruise it and make money and have a good time and whatever. But you want to get better and you want to say like this is better for service this is better for the kitchen this is better dish this is better whatever let's make let's change this let's get better plateware and sometimes you're investing money to do that and then sometimes you're just investing effort but you're you're trying to present a better product because you're you want to be consistent as possible and slightly improving and somebody comes back and says wow this place like just keeps betting getting better i've been here for 20 times in three years and it's better every time and you're like wow that is a huge compliment thank you um, because you're trying to make your food a little bit more precise and a little bit more your style or just more whatever it is more in season or you're, you're, you're always kind of trying to stay fresh and you say okay like we have our regulars that come in and eat the same thing all the time and they come in and they say well I want to get a different thing 
and they try the new thing and they say, well, that's my new dish. That's my new go-to now. And, oh, you got this different wine. Let me try this new Chablis. This one's awesome. I like it better than the old one. And you, you're always trying to balance changing and, you know, still delivering the same product because people are really nat- uh, creatures of habit and they want to get the same thing when they go somewhere. If I go to, you know, your restaurant and you have the best fried chicken, I say, well, I want to go there and eat their fried chicken. It's awesome. And then you go and they don't have fried chicken. You're like, well, the chef thought it was time to change up the fried chicken and now we're doing a chicken salad. And you're like, what do you mean? Like, that's insane. (laughs) Like, that was the best fried chicken. I I told people about the fried chicken. So there's something about that, um, that balance of saying, hey, we have to keep these dishes. We have to keep this, you know, wine we have to keep whatever because people are so comfortable with it and then also keeping it fresh with saying hey let's let's throw this on there let's do this by the glass this would be fun let's you know let's serve this crudo and see what happens um chef i've loved this conversation man uh you've been dropping bombs of knowledge on us for sure uh but before we go to the speed round anything that we haven't discussed or discussed or anything you want to make sure we leave on the table or if you just want to round off the conversation with a final thought before going to the speed round what would that be um well you know, for a lot of the people that are, are trying to figure out how to do their own restaurant and get into their own restaurant, um, I think something that's super, super important is being versed in more than what you are expert at. So saying, hey, I'm a GM of a restaurant. I want to do my own restaurant. I know beer and wine and cocktails in front of the house. Well, maybe you should figure out a way to get a little bit versed in the kitchen so you can have that perspective of the kitchen guys that are working in the kitchen you say hey this is what their what their life is like the, what their day to day is like um, so something I, I've worked every single position in this place we have 37 staff there's probably 20 different jobs and I've done every single job be it bartend I've worked at the door I've bust tables I polish glasses dishwasher cook chef all that and it's something about being able to do that and saying, hey, I see that this isn't the best, the most efficient way. This is a pain in the ass for the oyster trucker. Let's figure out a way to make their job better. And that's what my job is, is to kind of help them, help everybody have an easier job, be more efficient, be smoother, get better service, serve better product. So anybody that's kind of looking to get into the into the game and doesn't have that other side experience i think that's a huge huge benefit you, knew, you need the big picture right yeah you need to have i think i, I had john taffer on the show and um I, at first i didn't really agree with what he was saying i think it's how he said it that made me he said you're gonna be the smartest person in the room and i was like what i don't know if i agree on that statement but when he started getting into it I think what he meant was you need to be the most well-versed. You need to have the best big picture of what that job done looks right. Correct. Uh, you need to be the most knowledgeable, maybe not smartest, but the most knowledgeable about everything, yeah. right? So you can bring in the pieces that you need. Or, so you or have, not necessarily the most knowledgeable about everything, but at least have, have a, a good understanding. So like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be the best bartender here yeah. by any means. I can barely bartend. But I could do it if I need to, and exactly. I and I can see that's that's how it should be done. Why are why are you not double straining that thing? That's not how we do it. Yeah, or yeah. like shucking oysters is a technical thing. So our best oyster shucker is going to be faster than me, cleaner than me, just more efficient at shucking oysters than me. 
But in a jam, yeah, you can, uh, yeah. yeah, and I could chuck probably. Your just that's another point. Yeah. Your business should never be dependent on one person's ability to do something. Correct. If you create that situation for yourself, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. It's, if they get sick, if they get hurt, if yeah. they decide that they don't want to be with you anymore, or like whatever, yeah. you know, and you that's good for yourself. for cross training. You know, different staff yeah. back of the house, front of the house, whatever. But I think just that that knowledge of everything that's going on is a huge benefit because then when you're actually trying to operate a restaurant and you said, Hey, guess what? The bartender, their car crashed. Uh, we need a bartender. Okay, sure. I could do that. I'm a chef trained, but I could also jump on the bar or I could serve. Um, so I think that's something that's beautiful, valuable. I love this conversation. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. If you listen to restaurant unstoppable, I'm sure you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. There are two things that you need to let determine your growth the first thing that's people the second thing that's cash flow and we've got you covered on the cash flow part of things because i'm working with cashflowtool.com the ultimate cloud-based solution for your business cashflowtool.com is simple powerful and predictive it's simple because it requires no data entry it's always up to date and it works on any device anywhere it's powerful because with its built-in cash flow calendar activity feed and anomaly detector you instantly know all aspects of your cash flow with no surprises and it's predictive because you know your cash flow today and you can anticipate it tomorrow. Head over to www.cashflowtool.com unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and you'll receive pro features at the essential features price. All right, I have a question for you. How can an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant? Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry with an estimated $40 billion in losses in the U.S. in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the U.S. EEOC in 2017, resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good, because there's more. Employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites Anonymous and web-based RestaurantEthics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets. Go to EthicsSuites.com slash restaurants unstoppable and you will get three additional months so for the cost of 12 months you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there we're back and the first question i have for you is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success uh hard working yes yeah uh you mentioned your your strength earlier too what was the other strength uh, i forgot it strong strong drinker was that- <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's ability to to be on you know on your toes. Oh, and, yeah, to adapt. Yeah, that's what it was. Adaptability. Yeah. yeah. What is your biggest weakness? Uh, probably, I'm, I'm not good at self promotion, um, which is I think also maybe a strength. But in in this industry, I'm in right this day and age, <laughs> yeah, self self promotion is a weird thing for me. And I'm like, I'm like, I know that 
that's good for business, but it's just not comfortable for me. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird territory. Yeah. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? Uh, for staff, you know, I'm just I'm hiring a person. I don't care if you have zero experience most of the time. Kitchen guys, I prefer guys with no experience. Um, but you're just saying, hey, ability to work, somebody who's excited to be here, show up. What's your biggest challenge currently? Uh, it's a secret. Is it really? <laughs> well, kind of. Uh, so we're, we're working on a new place. Oh. Um, so you have the scoop, the exclusive. Oh, man. Uh, but right just, here. You heard it. Restaurant stop. Yeah, delete that. <laughs> uh, just, just figuring out how, to, how we're going to do that and balance two different things at once. Is that, do I really have to delete it? Uh... No. Okay. <laughs> it's it's not announced. It's not announced yet. So we'll keep it's it quiet. A, if you guys are su- listening to this, surprise. Keep it quiet. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Don't don't blog about it. Okay. <laughs> oh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. Uh, easy respect. Uh, respect for everybody. Respect for who you work with. Guests. All that. That's just so simple. Share one uncommon standard of service you teach your team. This is something that's common within your four walls, but not yep. necessarily common within the industry. So making making a, a personal connection with guests um, more is frequent here, but it's like just saying, hey, where are you guys from, blah, 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 and, and taking down that wall, that yeah. barrier. That's such an easy thing to, to get you know, guests I'm, to relax. I'm happy you went here because earlier you were talking about building regulars. And if you have somebody who is a regular in the seats in the next to that isn't a regular and you don't know anything about them, like that's your cue to go it's learn so, it's something. It's so easy for, start, for me. Yeah. Like that's so easy for me to just say, hey, what's up? Where are you guys just, from? And they go, oh, wow. Well, you're, you're asking me something about me. And then you say, "Oh, you're from you're from Pennsylvania. What part? Oh, Reading. Exactly. I'm like, I'm from Reading. No way, but just learn about them. And yeah. then the, if you can find something that connects the two of you, yeah, that's where the magic and is. It's, when they and it's not, and it's not. You're not selling anything. You're not doing any business. You're just being asking them yeah. something, and then you're you're creating an experience. And they're saying, "Wow, that was a nice place to go." Yes, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a better restaurant operator? It can be either I, I, I'm, I'm category. A, I'm a huge Hemingway fan. Um, I don't know if that's making you a better person, maybe a worse person, uh, but just the the food and beverage aspect of all his books are like so enticing. And you read and you're like, yeah, I do want I do want a cold beer right now at <laughs> 9 a.m. Or like, oh, that what, co- what book is most? Ah, I mean, Islands in the Stream is great. I'll link to that uh, one in the show notes. Yeah, they're just oh, there's so many good ones, and and something about them, and you're going oh, like wow, like really he he was a terrible drinker and terrible person, but makes you interested about food and beverage a lot. <laughs> uh, what is one thing that you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? When when a restaurant when you go into a restaurant and you just feel like it doesn't have somebody's personality attached to it, you know, they get a little bit sterile maybe. Um, so what is one technology that you've adopted? That's had a huge impact on operations, communications, efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines. Um, I mean, not necessarily. We use point of sales from toast, but I think every restaurant uses some sort of point of sales. So what was it about toast that made you go with that platform versus others? Uh, I think it was just the the horror stories of other platforms, you know, that have been around for longer. So Toast at the time was brand new, um, and it was a 
it was a little bit of a learning curve because nobody had ever used it, but I had never really did front of the house. So it was easy for me to just figure it out. Um, but they had a lot of kind of quirks and issues at the time when they started. And now it's like becoming pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. And the other variable is in the, they're in your backyard. Yeah. So you're doing the whole saying, Hey, what's, yeah, it's in Cambridge and you're yeah. saying it's, it's just, I think you probably talk to everybody around here and a lot of people use it. A lot of around here, but they're pretty nationally recognized. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, and it's easy to, to track stuff on your phone. And I say, Hey, how are we looking? Are we busy? Are we doing sales? What's up? And you could check it. It's just, it makes it really, really accessible. This is the last question. It's a doozy. Are you ready for it? Yes. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom, three things you know to be true that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Uh, that's pretty pretty deep for a restaurant. I don't, I don't mess around, yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, just... Live it up, man. Live it up is one. That's that's one. That's too easy. Um, You know, be kind to people. That's two. And be be passionate about what you do. Three. Beautiful. Chef, Michael, this has been amazing. Thank you again for taking the time to share your knowledge, your story, your mentorship. You were awesome. Uh, we wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who is one independent operator, somebody you admire and believe would make a great guest mentor on the show? I'm headed to Austin if you know anybody out that way. But uh, I'll take somebody locally too. We'll get them when I come back. I don't know anybody in Austin anymore, but Tony Moss, I think, would be a good person to talk Tony, to here. Oh, he's been on my hit list for a while. Yeah. I'd love to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, and let the folks at home know uh, if we want to follow you, maybe reach out to you. We have questions about your advice, or maybe we just want to come join your team. Yep. What's the best way to connect? Um, you know, so our Instagram, Select Oyster Bar, um, or you can just email us, selectoysterbar at gmail.com. Beautiful. Uh, again, Chef Michael Serpa. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank Thank you, you. buddy. Take care. (laughs) Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Michael Serpa, great conversation today. I think the big takeaway is obviously your reputation, right? Getting experience in the industry, developing a reputation, and when you go and open your own place, that rep- that reputation will serve you. People will come to work for you because of who you are and the reputation you have, so be mindful of that. Also, some really great advice on just building regulars and the importance of regulars, and I think really what it comes down to is taking an interest in other people. And you, you, you got that from today's conversation. You know, they're not just customers. It's not just a transaction. Like it's a relationship. Learn about these people, be interested in them and they will be interested in you. Uh, awesome stuff today. So many other great lessons, but just too much to summarize here. Uh, guys, I want to start reading to you some Reviews. I always ask you to head over to iTunes and leave a review. So I'm going to start sharing some of those reviews with you. I love getting these uh, messages. So here's one from CT Auto. Outstanding resource for anyone interested in the business of operating a restaurant. Great interviews with knowledgeable and accomplished individuals. Eric leads very engaging conversations with his guests and elicits many pearls of wisdoms. Again, that's from CT Auto. Thanks for leaving that review. And if you guys are finding this podcast valuable, I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, Leave a review. Head over to iTunes and leave that review. Five stars as well would be 
great. It really helps support the podcast. And also, I'm in Austin. So if you guys are uh, in the Austin area, uh, hit me up. I would love to connect with you. I would love to hear what you, you think about the show. Uh, maybe you can help me find some guests to be on the show. And I think I'm going to be spending the winter in Texas. Uh, so we'll see if that holds true. But that means I also want to hit up uh, Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, and any other cities you guys think I should head out to while I'm here. So if you're in any one of those cities, again, same applies. Reach out to me. Tell me who I should get on the show or it, let, let's grab a beer. That's another reason why I'm on the road. I love connecting with my listeners. So, yeah, uh, please do not hesitate to reach out. And uh, the best way you can support this podcast, I say it all the time, is by sharing it. So if you know of anybody who's aspiring to be great in the restaurant industry, put this sucker on their radar. Uh, Let's spread the word. Let's transform the industry. All right, guys, that's all for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you all. And until next time, peace out.